eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Spits and Suds. So great to be with you. I'm Gavin Spittle. Of 105.3 The Fan, and I'm joined by EP Rinkside, his subscription service, Shap Shots, which I would completely recommend that you uh, spend good money on because you're going to get some amazing stars information, as well as D Magazine. It's Sean Shapiro and Sean, a couple things, um, really, really enjoyed the game last night. You know, mm-hmm. I just felt as though that had a playoff atmosphere. And I love when the Stars play Vegas anyway. But coming off the Cup, coming off the Western Conference Finals, uh, I just love the intensity. I just, you know, for, for a game two, you know, as I tweeted last night, we all got our money's worth. It was the only, uh, my only issue with the game last night was the, frankly, the lack of a proper building to it because it was the, the two teams from the Western conference final last year. When you talk about the teams that everyone says who are going to be the, the top dogs out of the West, these are two of those teams. And it just, the only thing that I just kind of, the only thing that left me disappointed about it, and this is just the reality of it was you had a Dallas team play in their second game, have come in off five days rest um, and your Vegas team that's played plus playing their fourth game is already in this rhythm of a season. It was one of those where it's like, and I'm not playing the excuse game for the stars or anything like that, but just from the schedule making standpoint, the only thing holding this game back at all was what kind of one team being in rhythm and clicking already. And the other one still clearly looking for its rhythm because they've only played two hockey games in a week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So, uh, let's start. There's so many things to talk about. One, I want to say on Friday, Craig will join us on Spits and Suds. So one of the things I love about Sean is his in-depth hockey analysis, how he talks to a lot of people through the league, tells you what he's hearing. We really get that insider access. And then we get the player inside access from Craig on Friday. And one of the things that we'll talk about with Craig is as far as whether he has to or some of his teammates in his career have had to answer the bell. And last night, you know, you talked about the the hype not building up to it like it should have been. Um, 
I will say this, and if we don't toot our own horn, Sean, it won't get tooted. That's just the reality. Yeah. And you and I talked during that series, during the Western Conference Finals, almost immediately after it happened, about when Jamie Benn would have to answer the bell. And we actually predicted, I went back, we predicted this game, um, that it would happen in Vegas, in front of the home crowd, that there was a likelihood that Jamie Benn would have to drop the gloves. And that happens. The I, I tweeted it out last night prior to the game because I wanted people, I wanted them to be refreshed that it might happen. And it did happen. I said, good chance. You know, part of which got me thinking as well was Eberly, um, who injured Andrew Cogliano of the Colorado Avalanche. Obviously, at the beginning of the season, it's the first time Seattle and Colorado have played. And Eberly, who's not a fighter, we all know that, Jordan Eberly, you know, he's more of a scorer and uh, puts points on the boards, had to drop the mitts last night. So, I mean, kudos and stick taps to those NHL players, including Jamie Benn, that, you know, understand as far as handling it on the ice. I was surprised, Sean, more people weren't talking about it. And also, I was surprised that, you know, people said, well, Jamie Benn wanted to get the troops going. I just don't, not a lot of people were talking about why this happened. And clearly, you could see Mark Stone go over to the penalty box and uh, thank his teammate for dropping the gloves. And then people would ask Sean, well, why, you know, Mark Stone, I saw this on Twitter, Mark Stone's too chicken to fight. I will just say this. <laughs> Andrew Cogliano was in the lineup for Colorado last night. He did not drop the gloves with Jordan Eberle. You do not have, the injured player does not have to be the one that drops the mitts with the person that got you injured. Okay. No, you don't. No, no, no. Like that's, yeah, like that's, okay. Yes. It's has nothing to do with, if anything, and this is, and this is a stars podcast, but I'm going to say this. If anything, Jamie Ben was too chicken to face Mark Stone with a clean hit back in the playoffs. Correct. Just like, if you want to be, if you want to talk about someone being too chicken to do something, it was a, it was a, it was a bad hit by Jamie Ben in the playoffs that was dirty and rightfully deserved two game suspension. Like you don't, uh, uh, like, right. It's it, to use a real life example. If somebody, somebody robs you, you don't have to go, you don't, you don't have to go fight them. You let the police handle it. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So That's a great example. Like it, yeah. So it's like, like Mark Stone was the victim here. Wasn't the, um, and it's, it's one of those things where, if that had happened, um, um, they, if that can happen, if that happens when it does, the follow-up was never going to be in game six of that series. Um, and, uh, so it was always going to come in a game like this, probably in the, in this one is it did. And, um, you gotta be, you gotta remember like, Let's look it up. Like Jamie, as he's gotten older in his career, he's gotten better about taking the right fights. Right? Yes. Like one of the things that, um, his fight, uh, like he fought Patrick. Like he actually fought Patrick Maroon, um, in the uh, in about a 
in in that in that preseason game, but that was after a big a big hit and everything like that. And but he's always like he's had some moments where who was the kid from that he fought in Vancouver? Remember a couple of years back, he fought the def- depth defenseman from Vancouver. I do, yeah, I don't and, know the name. and got hurt, got yeah. hurt on it, and it was yeah. like you're like I, you don't go and you got to fight within your pay grade. Right. And so you either fight within your pay grade or you fight within the right reason. And this is the type of thing that I'm not saying Vegas was going to run a Dallas player or anything like that, but by him and Hague fighting in the second period, it puts that all to rest of any need for retribution. I don't think Vegas was really, I also think the reason this, this held over Gavin till the second period was, um, Vegas won the cup. So Vegas already had their ultimate retribution, yes. right? Like Vegas already had their, had their, had everything they needed. And I don't think it, I don't think it's a team that's built to take that was going to be like, Oh, we have to get a, a cheap shed and a Dallas player to make up for what happened with Ben and stone. But this at least is uh it's kind of like the nature's healing type of thing where it's like, okay, we can let, we can let the, that be in the past now for everyone. And there can still be other fisticuffs and angriness like there was in the game and it was a fun hockey game, yep. but at least that has been put to bed. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely correct. All right. Let's get into the game itself. So I understand, you know, stars fans would like two points, but I thought it was a well-played game by both teams. I think if I'm on the opposite side and I think they realize this during the game, we're going to see each other several times and not just the regular season. I really liked how both teams played. I liked how the stars matched Vegas's physicality at times. They got in the dirty areas. They were putting pressure on Aiden Hill. Um, They were winning in the corners at times. So for stars fans, I get it. But Sean and I have talked about this. To me, once you go into OT, it becomes a skills competition more. And three on three, you can work on. And teams are getting better as far as, you know, puck possession in three on threes. But the reality is it's just a different game. So to lose in a shootout, it is what it is. You clanked off two posts. Aiden Hill didn't make a save in OT, right? As far as the shootout. I mean, simplest thing is. If Robertson, I saw someone who we should give them credit. Um, the uh, um, let's go uh, start who tweeted at us on Twitter about wanting kind of a review of the game, and I'll say this to that person directly: like, um, if Robertson and Hints, if the shot goes in, yeah, everyone's like, like, oh man, they beat the Cup champs. Yes. We talked about the title contender. Like every, like it's 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 that game, like. Regular season hockey, and I think we can't say regular season hockey, and I think we still have to, maybe maybe we have to change the goalposts a little bit and be like, because of how bad Dallas was in overtime last year, like you have to be a little bit more critical of overtime itself at times, but when a game goes to a shootout, you've done your job, and it's really a coin flip at that point. And so I, I, I this game for the Stars, they've taken three out of four points to start the season. If they're going to take 75% of the points for the rest of the season, you're going to be thrilled. So. Yeah, 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 a- absolutely. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Um, and I didn't see a lapse. Uh, I thought they played a full thir- three periods. I thought Ottinger was clearly sharp, as was Hill. I think both of them made terrific saves. Um, so I, there's so many like little points that I want to bring up. Um, the first goal, Craig Smith. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone will see the rebound put in, but going back and looking that the aggressiveness going in to the corner and picking that puck and getting it to Tyler Sagan and maintaining possession away from the Vegas defenseman, you know, he deserved that goal because he's the one that created it. So we all see the Sagan pass. You know, and what we don't see is, you know, that's why I love rewinding and going through the whole play. It's just, you know, it was really pretty to see. It was a grinder's goal. And, you know, it's really cool to see the Jim Nil pick up, really paying dividends early. But, you know, he picked him up for that vet presence in the locker room. But, you know, as we've talked about, you know, we think both Sam Steele and Craig Smith added some really good depth to this team. And that, yeah, it's, I think Smith is a guy who I was, I was curious to see what would of how the usage would play out with him because he's someone who he's the only Dallas player that really uh, doesn't have a special teams role. Like you look across the board for this Dallas team and every player plays is either on the power play or on the penalty kill one or the other. Craig Smith is the only one that doesn't, play on either and that's not a that's nothing against Craig Smith it's just the reality of he's not in your top 12 offensive options and he's not in your top 12 penalty killing options he's probably 13th on both of those lists and for a lot of players in that role who don't have a special teams role um, it can be easy as especially as a forward it can be easy to get lost in a game um I was uh, at the Detroit Tampa game the other night. And for example, uh, they've got Clem Costin here who is uh, Clem Costin doesn't kill penalties or play on the power play and kind of got lost in the game because he didn't have a role. Craig Smith is a guy who I think brings the same game at five on five, even when he only plays 10 minutes like he did last night. And I Mm -hmm. think that's a really valuable thing in the fourth line. That's a really valuable reason that, I like him in that spot when you're worried, like Sam Steele, I still look at as a little bit more of a developmental player. Like I think Sam Steele, I want to, I don't know if Sam Steele thrives as well if he only gets 10 minutes. I think Craig Smith thrives a little bit better in that spot. Um, And kind of on that, on that goal as well to kind of just scatter shoot here too. Like huge credit to, um, I thought really nice work and getting the puck to that area nice work by Lundquist and yeah. and Harley up at the top on the, on the top of the blue line because uh and I also really liked a bit of the willingness to um 
in the offensive zone in particular to play Lundquist and Harley together at times. I think that's a really good forward thinking thing where we talk a lot about the, the Nils Lundquist um, conundrum, right? And that's a step in the right direction with, with playing him and Harley in spots like that. And yeah. So I, I me thought, back on track, I, Gavin. Yeah, me, no, me no, I, <laughs> no, I mean, actually <laughs> that, that was segs. You did a perfect segue into my next point. I thought Nils Lundqvist was outstanding last night. Um, he was good. I, I was focused good. on him. Uh, one, you know, when you go into the corners, I saw a couple times where could have easily just put that stick in there and tried, but he was actually using his body. And guys like that that are small, you know, I felt as though Nils Lundqvist last night played bigger than his actual size. Um, I also saw a couple of times where he saw the opening and he skated out of the zone. One of the things that I was always frustrated with, with kind of old systems, is you'd look to pass right away. And that's how you create turnovers. But he had the space and he went for it. And he used his speed. And I, I also love the confidence and aggressiveness in the offensive zone. There was a cycle of, it was Ben Johnston, uh, Dadenoff, and Lundquist was with Lindell, and they actually cycled in another line because they were spending so much time in the Vegas zone. Nothing came from it, but I thought it was a terrific shift, and Lundquist was a big part of that. So, yes, we're just two games in, but I felt really good when he was on the ice last night. The other one that I felt good about last night was Ryan Suter. And Stars fans can go after Ryan Suter. And Sean and I, I think we agree we get it. But I think we've said on this program, if he was a third-line pairing, that I think we'd be in pretty good shape. He was terrific on that five-on-three last night. Um, I thought him, Foxa, Hockenpah, and then Hintz, did a wonderful job. That could have been a turning point in the game and, you know, the effort and Fox had to go off the ice after making that dive. And then just the next time he goes back onto the ice, you know, that showed me a lot last night. So I was impressed. You know, I think the decor total did a really nice job, but I did want to point out two guys that we've had some question marks on. I thought they played really well last night. Yeah. And, the other key thing, and I know people, it's hard. It, the the Ryan Suter discourse, because of you see the morning skate line rushes get tweeted out, or you see the line chart, and it 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 it, it doesn't frame the Ryan Suter discourse properly, Gavin, because like people see like, oh, he's playing with Miro, he's playing too much. Yeah, and I think like I've I've always made this joke before, but. I think, especially with defensemen, if we could not tweet out defensive pairings in the morning, we would all actually watch the game better and actually see how it plays out. Because, like, Ryan Suter technically was paired with Miro Heishkinen last night. But for me, I always go to, I look at how guys got their time on ice. So, yes, Ryan Suter was the third most used Dallas star last night, time on ice-wise, 20.58. Well, Three and Yanni Hockenpah was second at 2116. Yanni Hockenpah, 325 shorthanded time. That's great. That means he's about 18 minutes even strength. That's fine. I'm happy with that. 
Ryan Suter, three minutes shorthanded time on ice, nine seconds of power play, which was just at the tail end of a power play when uh, there was a defensive zone draw, I believe. Um, that means Ryan Suter was at 16 minutes of mm-hmm. 16 minutes, six, sorry, uh, um, yeah, about 17 minutes of uh, of even strength time. Miro Heishkin, and you take away his power play and shorthanded time, he's still about 21 minutes of of five-on-five five time. Thomas Harley didn't play special teams last night, was still the fourth most used player 2023. Like, Ryan Suter, and I, I say this, and I'm going to say this many times throughout the season, and I know that I'm going to. You cannot look at his placement on the line chart when it comes out. If you do that, you will get frustrated. You, you just can't do it. And But if you go and you look at the usage and where that usage comes from, then things start to be, then things start to, to fit better. And you start to get a better idea for how you should break things down. To me, the bigger thing about roll and time on ice, I see 90 seconds of power play time for Nils Lundqvist. I need to see nine seconds of power play time for Ryan Suter. Things are in the right direction. Yeah. I see Essel, I see Essel Lindell who, frankly struggled quite a bit last night actually yeah, of did. all the defenders you talk, you talked about the ones who are good Essa Lindell who struggled quite a bit Essa Lindell played the least of any stars defender at, uh to five on five um there's a lot of coaches in the past who would not have made that type of decision so um obviously not here to just completely just defend Ryan Suter and all that stuff but he's getting put into that role you want to see him in, even though the line chart's not going to look like that. So you just have to look at it with more context. And that's kind of my, that's going to be a, a thing we repeat throughout the, uh, throughout the year to people here, I think on this show. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think there were so many good things to, you know, take from the game last night. I thought, you know, the lines overall played well. Uh, I know Mason Marchman got in a scrum, but, you know, my focus is kind of going to be on him and see where he ends up. Um, he but, needs to be better. He he does need to be better overall. Yeah, like, yeah. you talk about someone who came into this year and we want to be critical or, like, you need, you definitely need you need more from Mason Marchman. Then yeah. the, the fight maybe gets him going or whatever, but, like, you need more from Mason Marchman. But I do really like that fourth line, um, mm-hmm. and you could – interchange Smith and Steele, but Foxa and Delandria, that's a, that's a pretty decent fourth line. Um, and I, I think yeah. they can bring a lot to the table. And, you know, I mean, I think I think that's a good role for Radic Foxa, like we talked about on previous podcasts, being a fourth line center. I mean, and what he brings. And, you know, as mm-hmm. mentioned, he goes on the ice a lot of times, takes the face off and then goes off the ice. So, um, yeah. you know, I think they're in, using his strengths. And it's another one of those where it, like, Work on giving your as a listener and a viewer of the stars, work on yourself giving the proper context. If you think about Radic Foxa as a fourth line player and don't look at the cap sheet and how much he's getting paid, you're pretty happy with how things are working out. Just basically take the approach you've taken with JB Ben's salary and that allowed you to be happy with the Benessons last year and his play and kind of apply it to Radic Foxa. You can't control the salary now. He's not going to, he's not, unless he's, it's very, it's hard. It's going to be hard to see him getting traded in season just because Jim Nill's a very loyal man. But so even with all of that, if you can just look at him as a fourth line center playing this role, it fits. And that's, that's, I think that's an important thing. And I think we're going to be using the word context a lot on this show with the stars for this year, because it's one of those seasons that's 
it's so fun because they are expected to be having like Gavin in six, seven months from now, we're going to be breaking down seven games against Vegas. Mm-hmm. I feel pretty confident at some point these two teams are going to be in the playoffs and 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 it's gonna it's gonna happen. Before we get there, there's gonna be a lot of in-between stuff. And it's finding all the context and how to how this season plays out. So the stars team here is at its best to win four of seven against Vegas in the spring. Yeah. And I see things that are going in that right direction. It's only two games, but I see things when it comes to coaching usage, when it comes to how certain guys are stepping up already. Like I'm, I'm pretty happy about where, where they are, especially after last night, like they could have last night would have been a easy. um, It could have been an easy blow it up game. Yeah. Five days off. uh, Vegas is at home has, has got rhythm. Vegas easily could have come in and blown them up. And you would have been like, eh, this is one of those that happens. And they didn't let that happen. They still got the point. They came in. Um, it's once again, it's it's funny. I'd say this so many times on this so far so far. It's only two games, but a lot to like about Dallas right now. Uh, absolutely. You're right.